Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So Liz. Yes. To start our final Happy Hour podcast of 2021, I really have some exciting, happy news to share. Okay, let's hear it. Let's hear the good news. Apparently, after almost two years of trying and having our daily lives micromanaged by not just the federal government, guys like Anthony Fauci, Deborah Burks, Rochelle Walensky and her predecessor, et cetera, but of course, every state and local politician, but more importantly, the federal level, now we're being told that there is no federal solution to the COVID ongoing pandemic. Wow. <clears throat> I I feel like there's still go- going to be some federal solutions. <laughs> I, I, I just, I know Quarantine that's what they camps. say. Quarantine I camps. feel like the feds aren't finished with the COVID restrictions, but that's just me. You know, that's just me. So this um, was shattering, absolutely shattering news to Anthony Fauci when Joe Biden said that before he left for his 1000th beach vacation. Um, new dog. So, he has a new puppy. And then I think there's pictures of him pulling his tail already. He has another new German Shepherd puppy. Well, yeah. you know, you and I are both lovers of German Shepherds. That has to be just the only redeeming quality of Joe Biden. But you do feel sorry for the dog because it's already been tormented by this senile old man on the beach. Yeah. Disgusting. So we have a guest today to recap our the year of 2021. Our guest is Derek Hunter, who um, is the principal on the Derek Hunter podcast. And I listen to Derek every day. And he's actually a good friend of mine, of my the, of my family, if you will. Um, and he's here to join us. So say hi, Derek. Hi, Derek. <laughs> you're, 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 we're good. For, your name is Liz again. Is that right? I just want yeah. To <laughs> no, you have been to my. You've broken bread in my home. So yes. And Can I, I the, just say the principal. The like first... who's who's the other principal on the podcast? One of the freaking cats in the background. Nope. The, the occasional <laughs> four year old that screams that they it's want their fucking bark. Daily. It's your little. Yeah, it's right. your little ones. But uh, to, they're to, not carrying to their tell... weight. They're fired if they're on the team. That, they're the they're the stars. They're adorable. Yes. They are. They get more. They get more positive emails. They get fewer death threats than I do. That well, <laughs> look. If you're <laughs> getting death threats, you're not. You're not doing. Well, right. You're, not, you're um, not doing anything. You're not doing it. And hi, Julie. I imagine you get a lot of death threats. And congratulations on the book. Which thank I'm you. Looking, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I know you've had me on your show a couple times to cover it, I so have. I appreciate your coverage, too. You're welcome. And I know that this is just a pity fuck. You guys are just like, oh, I've been on his podcast. Yeah, really? Been on no. his show. All right, fine. No. Who else is going to waste their, uh, who's going to give us their holiday <laughs> week? Uh, fuck it. Let's go with Derek. He's not doing anything. He doesn't have any friends. Ugh. That's, that's I, I'm depressing. The hell with that's you, That's not accurate. I'm just yeah. saying. Liz, yeah. it sort of is. Really, okay. everybody else is on Let's vacation. We're like, Derek is, Derek's totally free. Let's everybody else has friends and family to go visit. <laughs> Derek's sitting at home. Nothing. We should have asked Quinn or Bailey to come on. Your little, your little, little your little ones. I could on. get them, but uh, I don't think you really want that. You told me I no. could swear. You told me I should swear. I don't you want... can swear. We swear. They swear. Podcast. They'll swear if they hear me swearing. I hear them playing Barbie dolls and they're like, God fucking damn it. And I'm like, oh, oh, Barbie is not doing something or whatever. And I'm just like, a part of me is like mortified and then grateful that nobody else is in the room. And then the other part of me is like, fucking hey, All right. Nice job. Because <laughs> they're using <laughs> it properly. Friend. They're using it. Pro- they're using it the way daddy uses it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so today for our show, I thought we would take turns talking about what was the big story of 2021, and then in the second half, we can talk about predictions. So I'm going to go first with what I think is the big story of 2021, and I'm going to say that I believe that 2021 is the year of the woman, and let me tell you why. So first, I want to talk about Rachel Levine, who was the first four-star female admirable, admiral um, in the federal government. Yeah, and but then, not – hold on, hold on. No, you've That's got like to let being me a general in the Salvation Army, though. You're interrupting. It's not not my, really. 
You got to call not bullshit. interrupt me. All right. All right. I you told you we shouldn't have had him on. See, I so, fucking knew it. <laughs> so I just want to, don't detract from the woman, Rachel Levin, who is the first female four-star admiral. Yeah, no, I mean, no. that. Also the first yes. female with more than a six-inch penis. No. <laughs> Let me continue. So my second person that makes me, you know, say that this is the year of the woman is Leah Thomas, who is a swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania, who has been shattering women's swim records at the college level. And she's expected to continue to do it. And she has only been a woman for a year. So just imagine if she had always been a woman, like how good she would be. And then finally, I want I want to remind everybody, or not remind everyone, because it's just recently, about the lovely Amy Schneider, who is the top, the highest money earner female on Jeopardy ever in the history of Jeopardy. And right now she's at $806,000 winning of uh, at Jeopardy, but she's, you know, well on her way to maybe just being the highest winner of all, but she is the highest women earner. So those are just three women in, in 2020 who have broken records or set firsts, you know, so I really think that they, 2021 is, you know, the year of the woman. They've broken the glass urinal. Look, <laughs> the simple science of the fact of the matter is that men make the best women. You know, as soon as we figure out how to not be repulsive physically to other men who are not gay and have babies, you ladies are done for. We got no use for you. I know. I <clears throat> I do well, we think that the best. Your laundry. <laughs> That's true. You've never met my wife, Julie, or you've never lived with my wife. Does Heather not do anyway. laundry? I guess not. No, not so much. I, I wash it, dry it, put it in the basket. Sometimes I fold it, and I make her do the last step of putting it away. All right. Which is That's always the worst part. But it, it is, but if she'd stepped up to any of the other ones, I'd be stuck with that part. All right. This sounds like a good strategy. When you well, guys turn into women, though, will you actually be able to figure out how to maneuver your cart in the grocery store instead of just like randomly leaving it in the middle of the aisle? Who or, are like, those monsters? Who, like, the entire cheese case. Like, These are the people <laughs> who walking down public sidewalks in a crowded street walk side by side with four of their friends like they're filming the beginning of Sex in the City or they're off to see the wizard or something. And they they just stop randomly to like clothesline the people behind them who've been keeping up because they're the only people on the planet that exist. When men become all the women, though, we'll be much better off on the roads. There'll be fewer accidents and we'll be able to park much better. So Yeah, but who's um, going to read the instructions on how to put things together? Who needs or instructions? Get, read Come on. Look, the things, if it's Ikea, it can really only go together in one way. And you can always take it apart if you get it partially Don't be wrong. so sure. You can, you can always take it back apart if you get it wrong. No, this this is the year of the the woman. If you spell it with a with a, I guess you have to spell it with an e because it has men in it. <laughs> that it would make it the year of the women. It goes back to that Chappelle joke, and this is what got Chappelle in all sorts of troubles. That you know, Caitlyn Jenner, after one year of being a woman, became woman of the year. Women suck at <laughs> yeah. being women. Men are much better at being women. Than women are, apparently. And you guys, frankly, I wouldn't sit there and whine and grouse about how horrible men are taking over your jobs. You're going to have to step up your game a little bit, ladies. I'm taking over our gender. Think, consider this putting you on notice. We have a, a, a replacement for 90% of you. And once we come up with sex robots, it's over. <laughs> Poor Heather. Look, the Roomba, oh, the Roomba was a massive step against women. Going to hell. That thing doesn't even work <laughs> properly. That I don't have not one. Work at all. Have, have I used to kids. have one. I don't. I didn't like. I don't like them. I'm much too See, particular. That's a man actually thinks the Roomba does a good job. I know exactly. That's right. why you'll never. Oh that's yeah, look, much you typical man. How dare you, broads? I gotta tell you, in your sexism, <laughs> you gotta watch it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, Julie, what <laughs> is your big story for 2021? Now I know you guys are going to be shocked when you hear I'm my choice. January 7th? It's <laughs> January 5th when the pipe bombs were set. Remember those? Remember yeah, the pipe I, I do. The FBI doesn't, but I do. 
Yeah, the FBI could use geofence warrant to track down every cell phone within, you know, 50 mile radius of Capitol Hill. They kick the shit out of somebody's door in Alaska because their their cell phone pinged a tower. Uh, But the guy who's sitting on a park bench just after planting bombs, they can't go, "Uh, wait, maybe we should check that one. Nope. Because, you know, he didn't have a cell phone or anything. He's like, you know. He's just talking into his his hand. Isn't there video stills of him on his cell phone? Yes. Yes. He is. He, he he's on the phone. Right. So, he's uh, well, you know, it was it, Eric Swalwell. He was calling Fang Fang. Ew. It gets a little it gets a little awkward when your FBI geofence warrant pops up and it's Christopher Ray's cell phone and he's wearing <laughs> Nikes and a hoodie somewhere, it's, you know, on the east side of, of the capital. Swalwell going, Fang Fang, I did it. Now we can do it again. Right. I did what you told me. Love me, won't you? Love me. You know, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if they if they just think that's going to disappear and we're never going to hear about the bombs again. Well, when's the last time you heard David Muir talk about it? When's the last time you heard anybody? You know, you can sit there and say, well, conservative media is on this. Conser- Fox News gets on a good night three million viewers. The nightly newscasts get you know t- twelve to fifteen million viewers. Wow. The, the reach is exponentially bigger and the casual people reading their local newspapers or any newspaper will never hear about it. Most people you're, you're reaching one percent of the population. So, yeah, they can win through neglect. Yeah, for that's, sure. That's a great point. That's going to happen because the pipe bombs before we get to my shocking um, top story of the year. <laughs> The pipe bombs were actually what set off the initial evacuations and the panic and all the bomb squad, which just happened to be on the east side of the Capitol building where the headquarters of the DNC and RNC are located a couple blocks away. But D.C. Department of Homeland Security just happened to have a few bomb squad vehicles right there at the moment that a woman who just happens to work for the federal government saw the pipe bombs as she was doing her laundry at noon that day and happened to walk by the alley and see these alleged pipe bombs. So not that any of that sounds sketchy. I'm sensing some skepticism. Didn't didn't it wasn't it determined that they didn't even actually work like they weren't actual bombs? I think they were built by Caesar Sayoc, the same guy who sent like Jake Tapper a pipe bomb before the 2018 election. Remember those? And it was just like random wires and a kitchen timer. (laughs) Look, we don't know. They have no interest in it, so it doesn't matter. And that's the real story. You would think that if you were interested at all in this story, if you're a journalist out there, you'd say, well, what is uncovered, undercovered that I can really make a name for myself and going after? And they won't. Now, if it was and we can prove that some right wing nut job did this, then they would dispatch teams to it. So I think you can kind of implicitly figure out who in the hell is likely to have done this and who the people in positions to have an educated guest believe would likely have done this. But well, there's we're, more we're media attention out. on the poor guy that said, let's go, Brandon, on the C-SPAN call to Joe Biden than there is on the bombs that the person who said the bomb. Well, the selfie revolution is is the greatest threat to our democracy ever. A whole bunch of geriatrics taking pictures in the rotunda. Wow, if that, if, if, I get it. You, if you're going to do an insurrection, you've got to have more than step one. Now, for a future reference of those re- revolutionaries out there, we'll take the building. Like, All right, well, then, then what? Well, I don't know. We'll figure that out later. No, that's not how it works. You don't get grandma and grandpa to take pictures with the paintings in the rotunda. That's not going to bring the government to its knees. But if you're going to have uh, pipe bombs, that's a different game. That should be of greater interest to the people because that was targeting both Republicans and Democrats or so we're told. But they're not interested. So I suspect that uh, sources have been feeding them information. I'm a little bit uh, paranoid when it comes to this, but somebody knows. And the people whose job it is to find out have been told for one reason or another not to bother. And it stuck. And so there has to be something more to it. I well, just don't assuming, know what it is. of course, that 
there's an actual person that set the bombs that isn't like a federal. Okay, if you find if you find some right wing Republican Party member from from Alabama set these bombs, there will be book deals. They'll be driving Brinks trucks up to your house, dumping the lawn, uh, dumping it out on your lawn. You'll get a movie made about you and how you discovered it. You, you get all sorts of accolades. <laughs> if it's a left winger. You won't even get a a mention in the sales circular, your local penny saver. So the fact that the the entire profession of journalism, which loves nothing more than giving itself awards, isn't interested in this, lets me think that they have a pretty sinking suspicion that at the end of that rainbow is a pot of shit and not a pot of gold. (laughs) You know, I'm going to pick up on what you just said, Derek, because what's so illuminating about January 6th, which, of course, to me is the story of the year and looking ahead to 2022 will continue to be, is what the media refuses to cover or investigate. So you're talking about the pipe bombs, which would be a huge bombshell to find out who planted them, where the materials came from, et cetera, et cetera. But what they don't cover, just like who hasn't been arrested so far is more illuminating about January 6th than who had what they have covered or who has been arrested. For example, there once was a time when the national news media would be stationed outside of Ray Epps's house or stationed outside of Stuart Rhodes's house, two men who obviously are on camera numerous times and have uh, lengthy evidence of their involvement, especially Stuart Rhodes, the founder of the Oath Keepers, of what transpired on January 6th. Yet the media completely ignores both of them. Um, you know, there once was a time where they would be all over the idea of FBI informants orchestrating this. But outside of the New York Times report in September, where they confirmed that there were uh, informants in the Proud Boys, there's been basically nothing. I mean, they Democratic lawmakers used, once upon a time would be screaming from the rafters, demanding to know if this was another FBI inside operation. Like, of course, they did when it was Muslims or they did when it was Black uh, Panthers or Black activists. But now that it's a bunch of deplorables, no one cares. Um, you know, you would have journalists who would be demanding the release of 14,000 hours of surveillance video and they would be nonstop playing on a loop evidence of police federal police officers assaulting beating the shit out of kicking stomping macing women unarmed women on capital property they don't care about any of this which just should raise more suspicions in people's mind that january 6th was nothing but an inside operation orchestrated by muriel bowser and the house democrats and other dc officials and the news media And that this was not some organic uh, uprising incited by Donald Trump, but that this was the plan all along because the media just has no interest in really drilling down into some of the really gaping holes in the story. How does it feel to be you, to be the one who is discovering these things? And then you, you go, all right, well, this is this is big. And you bring it out and there's a collective yawn from CNN and MSNBC, really uh, from a lot of Fox, frankly, without with the exception of of Tucker, there's a sort of a collective yawn. And you're sitting there going like, is there a point where you go, what the hell am I going to have to discover for anybody to give a shit about this for people to recognize what's going on here or what? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just I mean, I think last week when the surveillance video came out in that tunnel and I posted this repeatedly of a woman I interviewed who was beaten, punched in the face by a D.C. cop supervisor, beaten on top of the head with a baton. Um, You know, I thought, okay, this will get some sort of traction. But then you flip over to CNN and they're showing, oh, my God, look at these protesters attacking police officers in this tunnel. Somebody threw a crutch inside the tunnel and somebody else sprayed mace. And isn't this horrible? This is graphic. You know, we have to warn you before you look at it. And it's just too completely different universes um again there once was a time when the media lawmakers of both sides i can sort of remember this in the summer of 2020 went absolutely apeshit at cops abusing american citizens for political protesting or even just trying to pass off a counterfeit 20 you've touched on what 
the reason that the liberal media hates conservatives so conservative media so much and why CNN seems to dedicate so much of its time to undercutting other media outlets while saying any criticism of them is a threat to the First Amendment. They used to have a monopoly. That's why they hated Rush. They used to have a monopoly on what information was and what information wasn't, what was covered and what wasn't covered. And it wasn't just what they talked about. It was what they chose not to talk about. And now Rush comes along and shows you what's on the cutting room floor. Then Drudge came along before he went off the plantation and showed you what was on the the cutting room floor. And then Fox showed you what was on there. And then all of these websites and everything showed you what was on the cutting room floor. And they absolutely fucking hate us for that. And they, they still stick to that business model. They aren't about to go, all right, well, I guess now we have to cover it. They used to be able to, like Gosnell, Kermit Gosnell. They were shamed into finally acknowledging that that was going on. But it took a long time for that to happen. Yeah, I know. Now they're past the point of shame that they just go, I don't care. I don't fucking care. We're not going to talk about it. Come hell or high water. And that's how you can have CNN. There's child molesters working at fucking CNN. And CNN goes, I don't see how that's newsworthy. <laughs> they don't talk about it. <laughs> Well, and they and they label people who talk about the things that are not supposed to be spoken about as disinformation. Yeah. And, you know, with the help of big tech, people are just getting completely censored. But at the same time, they're more and more blatant about their partisanship. I mean, there were several media figures throughout, I don't know, the last two years or certainly in Donald Trump during, after Trump was elected that said, you know, it's not enough to just report information. We need to be active. So, I mean, they're they're acknowledging that they're activists while at the same time claiming that they have some some monopoly on the objective truth um, and their which is really just their preferred narrative as a leftist activist. So, well, no one. They all are Pauline Kale. Nobody in their world's going to call them out on it. So what does it matter? That kind of shit. And like, well, nobody I don't know how Nixon won. Nobody I know voted for him. I don't know how these stories get out. We've tried our best. And then you just ignore them. You just don't care. You just have to not care. It's disgusting. It's not journalism, but it's progressive as all get out. So, Julie, what was your if, if since you didn't explicitly say it, tell everybody here. <laughs> yeah, so you just just, say we're, it. we're still confused as to what you think the story of the year is. All right. Let me clear this up for the mm. slower people for our slower listeners and co-hosts so the story of the year is january 6th the four-hour disturbance on capitol hill that has now monopolized the attention of joe biden's regime the democrats in congress the national and local news media and uh, at the same time being used to destroy the lives of hundreds of americans destroy their families bankrupt them cancel them by their neighbors, their friends, relatives, even their churches, their banks have canceled them. Um, certain apps have canceled them if they've been in the press, like crazy, like banana Republic shit that you never would think would happen in the United States, which includes having a political prison in the nation's capital. So the pretext of this four hour disturbance, it got violence in some areas, mostly by police who of course shot and killed Ashley Babbitt contributed to the death of another woman, Roseanne Boylan, and probably contributed to the deaths of the two other people who died that day because they were throwing flashbangs and deploying rubber bullets into a crowd that was doing nothing wrong. So that, to me, is the story. I mean, I think, obviously, COVID, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But going into 2022, January 6th will continue to dominate the attention of House Democrats. They're planning to run on this. They're going to issue a whole slew of uh, laws that they want to pass aimed at Republicans, hopefully to derail some of the, um, or at least mitigate expected huge victories by Republicans in the 2022 midterms. But they are going to squeeze out every ounce of power that they have in the courts uh, in DOJ and, of course, the January 6th Select Committee to make the most of what happened for a few hours on Capitol Hill. Uh, on is, there, is there an appetite for this in the public, though, Julie? I mean, it doesn't seem that most people – I mean, if the people who care care intensely. 
obviously. The Democrats, I don't think they actually care. I think they see this as something that some red meat that they can keep throwing to their base. Uh, but that part of the base that really gives a shit about this really, really gives a shit about it. But I don't think there's anybody outside of that you know, 5% of the Democratic Party who really gives a shit about this. You watch the footage, and you're like, it's horrible. They're fighting and they're smashing. And then you see other footage, and you're like, they're, I did that in a fucking tour. When I was working in the United States Senate, I, I walked through the the Capitol building with more force than these people were. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I think well, you're you right. There's not an appetite by most Americans. But what I have sensed in the past year, especially the past few months, is a bigger appetite, obviously, on our side, on the right, to really find out what the, what the fuck happened. What happened beforehand? What happened that day? The FBI's involvement. Nancy Pelosi, Muriel Bowser, like people are like, OK, they don't want to just ignore this now or just write off. This was a horrible day for us. And we should I mean, now people on our side are like, no, we want to know what happened, how this happened, who was responsible, because I think people are realizing it was an inside job and they want to know uh, all the bad actors behind the scenes. I, Do you I think we'll ever know? I don't um, know. I mean, the only hope is that when we when Republicans take the House, that we find a few people with the backbone. It would not be Kevin McCarthy, but a few people who will immediately form their own January 6th select committee with all the same powers that this one has, subpoena power, et cetera, and go after these people who have done this. And this includes even line prosecutors, DOJ, FBI, their informants, find out how many there were, what they were doing. Uh, the news media who was involved, who was in the building that day, who was helping to, you know, say Nancy Pelosi's daughter, post pictures of the guy on Nancy Pelosi's desk and how the whole insurrection narrative came together that afternoon. That wasn't a coincidence that everyone from George W. Bush to Joe Biden to, you know, uh, Ilhan Omar were using the word insurrection that afternoon. Like this was a total operation. And will we ever find out the truth? I mean, I don't know. We're still finding out the truth about Russiagate. Here we are almost, what, five and a half years later. So, but that will only happen if we have people in Congress who are willing to do to the other side what the Democrats are not now doing to our side. But do you think that's that they are? I mean, the Republicans will probably take the House. That's the, you know, um, the sentiment right now. But even if they do, if Kevin McCarthy, you know, isn't going to let that, ha what you've described happen, let the, a select committee be formed and let the congressman on the, the GOP congressman do an investigation, a real investigation, um, what's the likelihood that's going to happen? I mean, My they only need his permission to do, to, to, right. to do a select committee. So he did. And I'm no, we know we're no fans of Kevin McCarthy. I don't think he should be head of the congressional Republicans at all, but he did release a list of committees that special committees that he was planning to convene once they take the house. January 6th was not on there. There were a couple of just like goofy who the hell cares, you know, committees, but I think to the extent that you're going to see uh, the base wanting retaliation and that January 6th will probably be on the base uh, towards the top of that list, especially once the trials get underway next year, you have more public hearings from the January 6th committee. You see people like Mark Meadows actually, you know, charged with contempt of Congress like Steve Bannon was um, as it gets closer to the insiders. And they get pissed off. You know, they don't give a shit when it's the Alaska couple getting having their home raided or the organic shaman who's in solitary for 317 days charged with no violent crime and then gets a 41 month set. They don't care. Right. When it's average Americans. But when it gets close to their little palsy wellsy group, then they start to get pissed off. So as the J6 committee continues to target those people, will that foment some appetite to do this? next year or I guess 2023 let's hope okay Derek hmm. moving on Derek what is your what do you think is the big story or I was told there would be no quiz 
No, um, I said there would be no math. I didn't say there wasn't going to be a quiz. I'm not that quick on the uptake. I didn't know the difference. Uh, I think the big story, well, there's two. And I'm going to be the douche who goes, oh, there's two stories, because I didn't want to decide one. Mostly because I didn't know there was going to have, I thought we were going to talk about it all. But both of these things, I think, are equal. It's the retreat from Afghanistan, which make no mistake about it. Oh, it yeah. wasn't withdrawal. It was a retreat. The way that it was handled, there's ways to do what was done in a way where you just withdraw, and there's ways to do it where you turn tail and run. And the Biden administration arbitrarily picked a date. They had to change the date from what the Trump administration had given them so that Joe Biden could take ownership of it. But then he, like a dog that won't let go of the other end of a fucking rope when you're trying to just get the damn rope, he wouldn't let go of that date. He would, and the the more pull he got back and the pushback he got back from from the reality on the ground, the more committed to chomping onto that rope, the more committed he got to that date he became. And it was disastrous. 13 Americans lost their lives. More than 100 Afghanis lost their lives in a terrorist attack. Then we killed a family because, well, we're not really sure why. We're not told why. We're, we don't deserve to know why we bombed a family. We just know that it was reported the way that the left needed it reported. Joe Biden is tough on terrorism. Look what he did to this motherfucker in the white astro van or whatever it was we showed them yeah you killed a guy one an ally and uh, seven of his kids congratulations you're a hero but that's the world that they created that's the world that they needed they got the story the, the truth didn't come out for a couple of weeks so they got the the story they wanted and needed at the time and uh, it wiped off the idea that Joe Biden was just a pussy who didn't know what he was doing for a little while. And that's all they needed. And a small price to pay, killing 10 civilians. Uh, so that was a disaster. And then you, you left thousands of people behind. We were told, remember, we didn't leave that many people behind, maybe one to 200 at the most. And then for months afterwards, we're like, we're still getting people out. And the administration was trying to take credit for everybody that the private sector got out. And saying, yeah, no, we still got about a one to two hundred in there. You're like, how the fuck does that work? If we've gotten five hundred out already, and you said we had one to two hundred at the beginning, and we still got one to two hundred, where the fuck are, are they? Are people going to Afghanistan to give birth? That's the only. <laughs> or they're vacationing in Afghanistan after the withdrawal. Like, how does this work? And it was all exposed as bullshit. And while the media only really cared for about two and a half weeks. That two and a half weeks was so impactful that it began to pull back the, the bullshit filter in a lot of people's minds who were just casually paying attention. And they said, this guy doesn't have a fucking clue what he's doing. This guy doesn't have a, he doesn't give a damn either. Like the question is, is Joe Biden senile or is he just stupid or evil? Like there, there's no good option there. So that, I think, caused a whole lot of people to, who maybe came in and gave Joe Biden the benefit of the doubt up till that point and said, well, he's going to bring us together or he's just he's doing his best. What do you expect? That's not your best. You can't be that incompetent without actually trying so uh, or without callous indifference. So I think that was a, a massive story of the part. And you look, that's when Biden's poll numbers started to tank and they haven't come up since. And then it's covid. The guy who ran on I have a plan, I have a plan, it'll do this and that, and I'll shut down. Well, then fucking unleash the plan. Or were you full of shit? And people are beginning to realize that he was full of shit. Uh, I think there was a large percentage of his vote of people who just had enough of Trump. Like, just enough, enough. This guy will be fine. And there's no difference between the, the, the libertarian view. There's no difference between the parties anyway. Well, now people are seeing there's a difference between the parties, and it's because of the incompetence in Afghanistan and the incompetence in COVID and the unwillingness to acknowledge the reality on the ground that Omicron is much milder, it seems, and uh, much better off. Yes, the case number is up fivefold from a year ago today. That you can blame on Joe Biden, but the hospitalization is only by 500. It was 1,200 to 1700. That means that the percentage of the seriousness of, of the Omicron cases is down fivefold, which puts it well below 1% for hospitalizations, forget fatalities. And the Biden administration and Democrats in general refusing to acknowledge that to try and let the boot off of our necks and go, you know what? Still don't go around making out with strangers and licking doorknobs, but 
right now it seems pretty good. Things are all the indications are good because most um, actually all pandemics have petered out on their own. They they were not cured. The, the flash pandemics. So uh, that could be where we're heading. I hope so. But the Biden administration's Democrats in Congress need that fear that they've been capitalizing on for so long. They still need it. They've got three to five trillion dollars worth of spending they want to implement, plus the federal takeover of elections. They can't justify mail-in ballots for everybody in the name of COVID because their people are going to get hurt if COVID is going away. So they can't let it go. People recognize what's going on. So many people have had this thing by now that they go, yeah, that was a shitty couple of days, but I feel I felt all right. They're not going to fall for the bullshit anymore. And as more people, it's going to get even harder for them. Do you think that public sentiment is overall has is just done with this? I mean, the media is still hyping up this. No, I, mean, I don't. Fauci just I came out and said, so. don't go on a cruise. We've got some events are being canceled. Professional athletes can't play. Colleges are, you know, again, returning to online. Some schools are returning to online. So do you think that the public is done with it? Or do you just think some like half the country is done with it? I think more than half the country is done with it. I think whatever Joe Biden's uh, negative <laughs> approval rating is, are the percentage that's roughly done with it. So it's like 60% or so that they're just enough, enough with the bullshit. There are some people, look, I don't, I'm done with it, but I also don't want to catch COVID. I don't want to catch Omicron. I believe in the data, but I still don't want to catch it. I don't want to get the fucking flu. I've had the flu before. I know that I get over the flu. The flu fucking sucks. I don't want to go get it. And I'm not going to go around licking neighbors doorknobs going, ah, fuck you flu. But there's a way to live in between. I don't want to get hit by a bus. So I could stay in my house and pretty much zero out my risk of getting hit by a bus. Or I could go out and just be careful not to take a nap in the bus lane. You know, there's a happy medium in between those two extremes that most of us live in. And I think most of us want to get back to that. There are some people who will wear the garbage bag and the salad spitter and the, the, the plug their noses and ears and wear a snorkel that's triple filled. They're, you're never going to reach them. But the rest of the people you can reach, the rest of the people the Democrats are losing because they've gone to the store. They've gone to their families for holidays. They've gone to their friends. And they said, you know, we had this summer where people were going back to normal and they're going, I don't want to go back to that other bullshit. And I've had my, my wife had COVID. My husband had COVID and it was not a, you know, fun, but they're fine. It was like three days of blowing their nose and coughing. And so you, you lose people through experience, their experience. I don't. I don't know. Some people you're just never going to reach. Some people will never leave their houses again. And frankly, I think the world will be better off if they never do. Julie, what do you think? I mean, you're you travel between Chicago and Florida. What do you are you around? What are the people that you're around? Are they done or are they you know, still nervous or reasonable? You know, it's interesting because most of my friends from the beginning have been sort of COVID skeptical. Um, you know, some bought into it. Some have gotten vaccinated. A lot of my friends haven't gotten vaccinated. Um, but I've also noticed now with the with this huge wave, and like I I had it. I avoided it for almost two years and got it recently. It was one really bad day of a fever and chills and just crazy fatigue. So I laid in bed, but I could still work. I could still function. Uh, and then the next day, a low grade fever started to feel better. got a little bit of a cough, just crazy congestion that like nasal congestion, which I always have as an allergy. Sufferer, did you take but, any, did you get like uh, monoclonal antibodies or were you taking any medicine or anything or was it just well, around? Luckily, I have a good friend who had sent me a shipment of ivermectin. Can I say who that person is? No. Don't, don't, no, don't tell anybody about it. I won't. So I know who I, it is, but hey. Okay. I had a good friend who supplied me with some ivermectin. So I took that right away, loaded up on vitamins. My husband ran and got all the vitamins, zinc, a bunch of Gatorade. Um, I did the little pulsometer because everyone's like, watch your oxygen. 
So I did that for like. What did your oxygen level? Did your blood oxygen level drop? It. I think the lowest it got was 97. Okay. Yeah, so I guess fine. under 95 was. But with the oxygen thing is also like you literally cannot breathe through your nose. Like your entire head is stuffed. Um, But anyway, so. And really by the second, I'd say what, after 36 hours, you really are starting to feel better. Fever was gone. Chills are gone. The cough kind of starts. But to your point, I mean, it was like a bad, like a mild flu or just a really bad cold. And the only thing that persisted was fatigue. And I don't do like I'm always on, you know, 11. And so that was kind of hard to to deal with but um you just have to keep hydrating and resting and it was it but as soon as this wave came i saw some people who are like totally anti-fauci totally this and then all of a sudden they're like well i can't see you for 10 days like what it just it a lot of people are just circumstantial about this like it's very easy for them to act like oh i hate fauci and these this you know the guidance is so crazy and masks suck and everything else until they're confronted with it and then they start getting super paranoid well, so if you don't have a pre-existing condition condition i don't i i my father is 81 years old and is lung can has lung cancer and omicron he's been double vaccinated and boosted and if somebody has a sniffle i don't want him near my dad anyway you know like Right. He, he's his lung cancer is in check. He refuses to have surgery, but the radiation has kept it in check. It hasn't been growing, which is good. Thank God. Uh, Knock yeah. on wood. But uh, you know, I'm not going to I wouldn't take any risks with him and I don't want anybody else to take any risks with him. Even if it, Omicron is just like a cold. Well, cold can take out people 81 years old in that circumstance. For so sure. and I don't think anybody wants COVID. Like if we had the choice, would I rather have Delta or Omicron? I'll take Omicron six six days from Sunday. But I don't I don't want any of them. Right. Right. But everyone's gonna get it. I mean, I guess is the Probably. point. I mean, and you know, now everybody, we... people adjust their behavior during flu season anyway. I'm not, you know, when Flu season, we all know when flu season comes around, it's like November to February. Some people get flu shots, some people don't. But, you know, people know it's flu season. And if you see someone who's sneezing or coughing, you, you stay away from them. And we all know that you don't go into the office when you're sick. Well, and now we do. I, I used to be one of those assholes who would power through, too. Are you so, serious? Yeah, I was told. Oh, for sure. I was told, you know, you save your your sick days for when you want a, a day off. You don't waste your sick days when you're sick. You, if you can come into work, you come into work. That was what it was. That that was common. It wasn't like I was being the dick. It was that was kind of what the way things worked. Well, I I didn't. I didn't get sick that often. But when I worked in an office, I didn't because, you know, I didn't want people getting me sick either. But whatever, I guess, you know. You're, you're every man for himself, Derek, or whatever. But um, no, it's kill the week. People, it's kill the week. But you know, people still ad- have always adjusted their behaviors around either people they know they're sick or when it's flu season. You know, people are just a little bit more careful. Um, and so you know, the idea that people wouldn't do that with COVID without the fear. You know, the idea that people wouldn't kind of adjust their behavior a little bit without government coercion or um. You know, or try and mitigate their own risks. Because a lot of people think they're healthy and they're not healthy. Um, I see so many people that are saying, oh, is that healthy? This is a 45-year-old healthy man. Really, show me your blood work because I don't think you're healthy. Like, <laughs> you know, um, we, we, we're we in such a, a better place now, I think, to understand where the risks are the big big risks are now again i'm also vaccinated and boosted and um you know i don't want to get this either but and i'm i'm naturally i happen to be a hermit anyway um in fact i can attest to that she is the first place that (laughs) ace and i went after when we wait shut you know we're shut down for like a year the first people we visited was derek and heather and their children and we showed up in these like <laughs> white suits, like these complete white. They look like Mr. White and Jesse Pinkman ready to come in and cook. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, it totally did. We just knocked on the door. And Derek goes, Heather, you got to see this. We were just standing there like, hey, we're here. It was pretty funny. Um, but, you know, be careful. And that should be enough. But now the guidelines have changed so much that I think that the authorities, uh, health institution, these public health officials have really undermined their credibility among a large contingent of people who at the beginning really trusted everything they said. Um, and now it's now we learn that, you know, you can go to the office if you're COVID positive. I mean, you, if you're now, if you're not vaccinated or fired, but you can also go into the office if you're COVID positive, but don't have any symptoms. This is crazy. <laughs> I don't know. So what happens now? So what what do we do in 2022? Biden is basically thrown in the towel. Fauci says, you know, okay, they've moved it from 10 to five days. Rachel Walensky, Rochelle Walensky finally admits the PCR test can go can be positive for 12 weeks after infection. Um, like, what is this? <laughs> where do we go now? What I want to know is how the fuck are we just discovered? I mean, we've known this stuff for a long time. You want to talk about losing credibility. It's that shit that everybody knows and everybody has known. And the government now coming along and saying, oh, by the way, I just I just discovered fart smell. And so <laughs> let's uh, let's not fart in elevators and cars with the windows down. And like, yeah, we knew this, but they would pre- the problem isn't that they're just now coming around. It's that they're they're acting as though they're Neil Armstrong on this shit. That they've just discovered this, mm-hmm. that they now uh, we now have evidence that what you knew all along is true. Like, yeah, no shit. We've all been living this way. And how are we going to how is anybody going to take these people seriously? They shouldn't. But these people have jobs that, quite frankly, need to be taken seriously. But they just these this particular group of people in the past two years can't do those jobs anymore. And Liz and I were talking about this earlier. Derek, I know you've got how you've got younger kids, so you got little. Yes, four yeah. and three. Thank God. I'm I'm so grateful that they are not in school to have gone through this shit, or even so, be old enough to be aware of what they're missing out on. Right, because they have missed out on some things, but nothing that's. I mean, especially yeah, we still have play dates, but we, you know, if, if we go to a play, we're going for a playground, and there's like a big family there, we'll go, fuck it, we'll go to the next playground. Like, gotcha. I, I, but it normally it'd be like, hey, there's eight, 80 kids there. Great. Don't crack your head open. Go play with those 80 <laughs> kids. Well, I have a daughter in college and a daughter in high school, and they're both seniors this year. And I will, I mean, they have just been robbed of some of the best formative, you know, coming of age years, especially my high schooler. And she's still forced to wear a mask all day at school. And it's just impaired so many things aside from just her, you know, junior year and half of her uh, sophomore year totally just ripped away. And I just am curious. I'll be interested long term to see how our kids retaliate. I don't know if that's the right word, what they're going to absorb from all of this. The ones who have suffered the most, which I think are probably our high schoolers. Um you know, how they're going to absorb this and how it's going to, you know, come just manifest itself and how it's going to how they're going to get back. I mean, are they going to now live in fear forever or are they going to realize what we all as adults realize is that all these people are not just full of shit, but they're evil, sadistic people who enjoy the pain of others and just never fucking listen to these people in, in positions of authority ever again. When you're a senior in high school, junior in high school, when you're in high school, you're forming friendships that maybe don't last a lifetime, but are the types or the basis of friendships that do last a lifetime. You determine what type of person you want to be around, uh, what kind of person you are, and they've missed out on that for for two years. I don't, if you don't go to, I don't advocate that everybody go to college, but if you don't go to college, how do you make up? that time how do you you know you can kind of make it up late because everybody there will have sort of gone through the same thing and you can have that experience in college but if you don't go to college how do you make up that and and get that bond and that understanding and that sort of lifelong ride or die friendships with people in the future i don't i don't know how you do that because you you need somebody to 
pull your ass out. Like the cops are coming, drop the beers. Oh <laughs> shit, we got you know. It, it, I got to figure yeah. out a way to get home. You you don't have those. I don't recommend those experiences, but everybody has them. And right. it, without having them, you don't become a fully formed. You're gonna you're gonna find yourself in pinches in life where you're not gonna be able to fucking get through. I don't think. Well, it's no, it's the same right. in college, right? I mean, if you when you go to college as a freshman, people you know go go away from where they live. They go to a new place. They they kind of decide who they want to be. They some people want to reinvent themselves, and you you have almost a fresh start. And now, you know, if you were a senior the first year of COVID, and now you're a freshman in college, you you really don't you've lost not just your senior year in high school, which is a great year usually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you go in and you miss your freshman year and you don't make all these new friends because everything is online and you're locked up in your in your dorm. So I do think it's going to be one of those uh, situations where it's going to be like a chapter in a Freakonomics in Freakonomics, right, where <laughs> we're going to see some weird thing happen and it's going to be traced back to this, some random unpredicted consequence. And yeah. it's going to be predicted whether these kids become great daredevils you know they they they're they're they say fuck it to life and they're absolutely crazy or they're hyper scared and they're you know tear afraid of everything and they're risk averse you know that 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 has a big effect on our culture so i don't know it's it's gonna it's gonna be bad so next year where are we gonna go with covid i think that's what julie was saying like what's what what's next Look, I think that it, I don't know. I don't like to get in the prediction game, but I think that uh, hopefully it peters out naturally on its own. The Spanish flu went away. There was no miraculous cure. There, it just it burned through the population. I believe, and I've written about this in my town hall column, that the virus was created. I mean, it obviously was, it was mutated like a, a Frankenstein's monster, but its natural state is what it wants to be in. And so it obviously could infect human beings, but whatever protein extensions were on it that were impacting human beings aren't supposed to be there. So as it reproduces, as it mutates along, it's it wants nature goes back to what nature wants. You build a building in the middle of the woods and you walk away from it. Nature will reclaim it. You don't you have to do continual maintenance on everything human beings do because nature is constantly trying to reclaim everything. I think the same is true for this virus, that it wants to get back to where it's supposed to be. It's its core DNA does not have infecting human beings. So I'm hoping that it just peters out. And then the reemergence, if you you remember any movie about or book about a nuclear holocaust, right? People come out of their bunkers at their own pace. Some people are going to lead the charge. Some people never went into their bunker and other people may never emerge from their bunker. You can't stop the people who never went in and you can't help the people who won't come out. You just got to let people live and go back to life at their own pace. And so uh, I think next year, hopefully, if I'm right, knock on wood, about my thesis about the virus reverting to close to what it's supposed to be as it possibly can get, I think that people will start coming out at their own pace. And that's the best we can hope for. Some people will, you know, people who lived through the Depression, most of them were fine. But then you heard the stories about the people who died with a million dollars stuffed in their mattress because they didn't trust banks and nobody knew they had any money because they hoarded the money and they were terrified to spend it because they remember eating dirt as kids because Mm -hmm. of the impression the depression made on them. Uh, Some people, smaller, I think, percentage-wise, but some people will never recover. There's nothing we can do about it. All we can do is get on with our lives ourselves. Okay. So, politically, yeah, I think that is is well said. Um, So, on the political front, um, definitely Republicans take the House and the Senate and and then dot, dot, dot. Does Trump announce? Is Trump going to run? Do you think he'll announce next year or is it too soon? What do you think? <sighs> I think it's too soon. I, I, I don't want him to run. You don't I, either. Uh, I, no. uh, I, I'd vote for him in a heartbeat, but I, I don't want him to run. Just I think he's much better off if he could do it, if he has it in him, to be an unselfish kingmaker. If he wants a legacy in politics... 
it, his history as president will be written about accurately by people on the right and the truth will come out. But if he wants a, a, a legacy that's unprecedented, unparalleled, because Grover Cleveland ran twice in two non-consecutive terms, one twice. So that's already been done. But to be a kingmaker, to really sort of deliver the Congress and maybe get past a filibuster majority in the Senate by 2024, I think Donald Trump could do that. He could become a fundraising force. He'd have to put himself and his ego aside. It's an endearing part of him. It's a frustrating part of him at the same time. I don't know that he can do it, but I would much prefer he does that than uh, run again. Because there are some people who doesn't matter what he does. Or, there are some people who just won't vote for him no matter. I'm not just talking about Democrats. There are some people whose votes you need in the middle, the 10 percent of independents that will never vote for him no matter what. And I, Hillary Clinton was a special case. If you get Hillary Clinton to run again, then Donald Trump could run again and win. But uh, not everybody's Hillary Clinton. And so people will go, I'll, I'll vote for this person over this gonna, person. Are they going to say they're going to vote for Kamala Harris over Donald Trump or Joe People Biden? don't like Kamala Harris, but they don't hate Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris doesn't have you know 30 years of getting rich off of their connections. Kamala Harris isn't isn't I don't know, maybe she is, but she isn't viewed as corrupt as Hillary is because I haven't heard her be as corrupt or of her being as corrupt. She's a horrible person, horrible ideas, uh, really just a grating speaker. I can't even stand the sound of her voice, but she's not Hillary Clinton. People don't hear her name and recoil. All right. Fair enough. So I have one last question for both Julie and Derek. Will Joe Biden remain president for this for 2022. Like, he doesn't he die, yes. Tap out. No. Julie, what no. do you think? Uh, I didn't think he would last this long, honestly. <laughs> I didn't think he would survive this long, just like physically survive, but whatever they're injecting him with when he goes home every weekend like, apparently is working. Um, no, he won't go anywhere on his own. Like Derek said, he would just have to die before leaving office. Um, so no, now what will happen, obviously he's already a drag on the Democrats and you could see this, how many Democrats have announced their retire, they're not yeah. running for reelection. Are we at 30 now? I mean, a we're lot. over two dozen, right? 30. So he'll continue to be a drag. I mean, is this exiting the COVID pandemic thing? Is this a way to restore his plummeting approval rating? Possibly. Um, but look, Joe Biden is just a bad person. Like, like uh, Derek just said about Kamala Harris, these are, these are bad people in the white house. And so, um, I don't think that he's capable of any kind of reform or rehabilitation or, you know, trying to get this country on track or be optimistic about our future. I mean, he, he wallows in death and bad news. So this won't be a good, you know, thing for him to try to be you know, optimistic about our future. I don't know if he's capable of it. So does he kill off Hunter in 2022? <laughs> <laughs> does Hunter kill off himself? Yeah. With another. Where oath? is Hunter? We haven't. <laughs> nobody's. The media is not interested in Hunter. He's at the titty bar. He's at the titty bar. <laughs> They're not nearly as interested in Hunter as they were in Don Trump Jr. There is uh, interested in Hunter. Meeting. There, the media is as interested in Hunter as Joe is is inter is interested in his illegitimate grandchild that he <laughs> refuses to acknowledge exists. Oh, that's right. He's that, a family guy. That that grandchild doesn't go to like the White House part holiday. The kid parties, didn't right? even get a fucking stocking at the White House Christmas the decorations. They put six stockings up there for seven grandkids. <laughs> oh. How shitty is that? That that is not nice. Um, They're just bad people. The whole Biden yes. clan, like Jill is awful. Joe is awful. Hunter's awful. The Ashley girl, she, they were both addicts, right? I mean, yeah, yeah that's I not, don't know anything bad. Like, I'm sure he was worthless in his own way, but Bo might've been the only one who wasn't a complete douchebag. Yeah. I think that that's probably true. Yeah. Well, seemed like it anyway. What it's like the Adams family values or whatever. Although the Adams family was like likable. So, um, <laughs> terrible. All right. So thank you for listening to happy hour and thanks to Derek Hunter. You can listen to Derek Hunter, Derek Hunter podcast. He writes at town hall 
And Derek, you're on um, terrestrial radio too. You're in out of Baltimore. So would, tell us what station you're on. Uh, WCBM in Baltimore from nine until noon, and it's going to start in a few other cities. And start oh. in Dallas on Monday, actually. Oh. So at the, I guess adjusted for the central time. But it, uh, yeah. And there's uh, if you really want to hear swearing, Kurt Schlichter and I have recorded oh, the, year in, the year oh, and the year and fucking review. The year in fucking review at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast for the low, low price of five bucks a month to get all sorts of extra shows. News talked about the way it fucking deserves to be talked about. I subscribe and listen every Saturday in the morning when I go do grocery shopping. I listen to it as I drive and it is it is cathartic. Um, So thank you all for joining us throughout the entire 2020 year. We will be back next year, which is 2021. 2021. I don't even look. It's Good like Lord. one hitting the sauce a little early, aren't you? Two years. It's like everything's meshed into each other. Uh, but thank you for listening. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast, Happy Hour with Julie and Liz, you can find us on iTunes. You can give us five stars. I think we do have five stars. I haven't checked lately, but I think we still have five stars. We have a lot of reviews. Thank you again, and we will see you next year. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.